You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. up gang welcome into packers total access i'm your host clayton bailey you can check us out on packernet.com you can find me on twitter at packers underscore access if you want to email the show you got a question or a comment you can do that by sending an email to packers total access at gmail.com and i hope everybody had an awesome uh fourth of july celebration a great independence day um it's just an awesome holiday and hope everybody was safe hope everybody still got a uh, got all uh all 10 digits um, they're uh, still attached to the to the uh, the phalange portion of the body. <laughs> I know it seems like every year you hear about someone losing a finger. Hopefully everybody was safe in that regard. I know we got out here and had a lot of fun. We uh, we blew a lot of stuff up. We uh, we shot some uh, shot some guns and uh, and just had a good old redneck time here celebrating the Fourth of July. But um, with that being said, we are going to uh, kind of outline the show here. We have a pretty good one on tap. We we're actually welcoming in. A couple of uh, a couple of guys I'm sure everyone has heard of, and that's our good buddies from Packers Without Borders, uh, Matt and Bruce, and and these guys bring so much energy, and I'm really excited to hear exactly what they think as far as the outlook on the 2022 Green Bay Packers. So we're going to ask them a couple of questions and see, hey, how do you think this season's going to play out, and kind of give you an idea. If you haven't caught on in some of the downtime, I'm just kind of getting a filler out there for the community and and some of the some of my favorite podcasters just to kind of see what they're predictions are for the season and really it's to kind of uh, bounce that idea off of me and think okay am I being realistic in uh, in how many wins I think the Packers could come away with this year and some of the other topics that are uh, very popular going into this season but we've also got a history segment for you guys and gals uh, it's going to be uh, Art Daly if you haven't heard that name I'm excited to uh, introduce you to him he played a very very uh, key role in the Packers surviving over the years and and he was a part of the press and <clears throat> a part of the press that that I like to look back on and, and really appreciate, especially given today's media coverage and just how uh, just how silly it's gotten. But uh, before we get into that stuff, I do want to uh, throw a quick plug out there for the contest that we've got, the uh, raffle. We are raffling off uh, one indoor club seat for the Packers-Rams Monday Night Football game there on December 19th at Lambeau Field. And uh, all you got to do to enter that contest, guys, is go to my Twitter account, at Packers underscore access. There'll be a tweet pinned at the top of the Twitter page. All you got to do is uh, retweet that tweet and make sure you're following the account. That will enter you into the contest one time. And this will be the last time that we promote the GoFundMe. <clears throat> we have a GoFundMe that we have attached to uh, to this raffle as well to help Drew and his seizure service dog. Uh, we've now surpassed his goal. But if you do want to continue to enter that contest, you've got one last shot here before midnight on Wednesday. That's 1159 uh, tonight as you're listening to this podcast. Um, for every $5 you donate to his GoFundMe, you will be entered in the contest one additional time. And there's an unlimited amount of times that you can do that. So uh, just want to kind of throw that out there one last time. Like I said, we've hit his goal. We're just kind of uh, grabbing a, a couple extra dollars to help him with supplies and things like that. And we're going to go ahead and pull the contest from that GoFundMe. And uh, again, it will stay open to anyone on Twitter that wants to retweet that tweet and follow the account until August 5th as of right now. That's the plan is to announce 
that uh, that winter around that time, and, and we'll be getting kicked off with uh, with Packers Family Night, and uh, also the preseason kind of getting underway. So it's uh, it's it's going to really really snowball from here on out, guys. I, I am absolutely ecstatic about the fact that the season is right around the corner, and um, we are we've we've pretty much made it, and it's really really exciting. So with uh, with all that, let's go ahead and jump right into the history segment. And like I said, this is going to be on a gentleman by the name of Art Daly. And I think most people have never heard the name, right? <clears throat> and his name was Arthur James Lunkenheimer, actually. And uh, you find out later if... Uh, I'm trying to see if this this one actually doesn't mention it. I believe one of the articles I'm going to read to you guys um, actually mentions that he took on his stepfather's last name, which was Daly. But he was born uh, August 16, 1916. He, he passed away on February 19, 2011. He was an American sports writer who is best known for his 60 years covering the Green Bay Packers in the National Football League from 1941 to 2011. Uh, Daly grew up in Fond du Lac, uh, Wisconsin, and served in the United States Army during World War II, another World War II veteran that was uh, linked to the Green Bay Packers organization and their media. Um, always appreciate that. It says, uh, this is on the Wikipedia page, um, career-wise, Daly served as a sports writer for the Green Bay Press-Gazette for 21 years. He was a charter member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee, so that's a really, really cool thing is the fact that the media, for the most part, selects players into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and here Art Daly was one of those guys that was so well-respected that he was chosen to do that and be on that committee. Um, he served on there until 1998, along with Jack Inger. Uh, Daly founded the Green Bay Packers yearbook in 1960 and uh, was an original member of both the Board of Directors and the Selection Committee of the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame in 1978. Daly joined Packer Report, where he was a uh, writer until his, until his death. As far as honors, Daly was inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame as a contributor in 1993, and in 1977 he was awarded the Dick McCann um, Memorial Award, from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, I want to go on to a, an article real quick and kind of give you a little bit more detail about him. I've actually got two articles here, and we're going to go rapid fire. All right, this is an article by uh, team historian Cliff Crystal, and it was actually uh, um, put together on Packers.com. It says, Daily covered the Packers on, on a near-daily basis as sports editor of the Green Bay Press-Gazette for 21 years, but wrote about them for close to 70 years in all. He started covering the team when it played in Old City Stadium. Think about that, guys. All the way back to Old City Stadium, Art Daly was involved with the Green Bay Packers, but also was a fixture in the press box at Lambeau Field from time from the time it opened in 1957 as New City Stadium until his death more than 50 years later. Times were vastly different when Daly started writing about the Packers, and he was expected to be a much be as much a cheerleader as a reporter. Andrew B. Turnbull, his boss and a member of the Packers Executive Committee, you guys remember we talked about Turnbull in a past uh, past history segment instructed Daly early in his career not to write anything so negative that it might jeopardize the Packers' standing in the NFL. At the time, the Packers were living from year to year, if not day to day, when things were really bad, and Daly's positive coverage undoubtedly uh, helped their cause. Quote, when you grow up in, the, in this business and you find certain people that make an impression on you, he was one of them, said Green Bay attorney and Packers executive committee member Tom Olenicek. 
uh, who started reading daily in the 1950s, about the same time his father, Dominic Olenicek, became president of the Packers. So I want to pause for a second. You guys remember Dominic Olenicek was the acting president for the Packers when Vince Lombardi was hired. One of the things that uh, Jack Venisi told Vince Lombardi, listen, if you take this job, Vince, You've got to make darn sure that you let them you you make sure they know you're going to be in full command of the roster, okay? Because this executive committee they are going to intervene at times, and uh, and that's something that's not going to be good for football operations. You guys remember Olenichek was watching practice one day. He comes down after practice with a piece of paper, gives it to Lombardi, and said, "This is what the board of directors made a list of things that need to change." They said Lombardi crinkled it up, threw it on the ground, and said, "I'll coach." the GD team. So here you've got Olenicek kind of uh, coming back into the picture. It's just cool to draw those parallels. I think it's important when you're telling uh, a story and the history of the Packers. Quote, he commanded a lot of respect. He had a great sense of what the Packers meant to the community. Daly was also was a charter member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee, serving on it from 1963 to 1998. He and Jack Inger founded the Green Bay Packers yearbook in 1960. He also was an original member of both the Board of Directors and the Selection Committee of the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. In 1977, Daly was presented with the Dick McCann Award, given to the reporter who had the had made a long-lasting, distinguished contribution uh, to pro football through his coverage. From 1978 until his death, Daly wrote for Packer Report. You guys, a little bit redundant, but again, this this article, it's obvious Wikipedia pulled this from that. Um, he was born on August 16, 1916 in St. Paul, Minnesota. Given the name Arthur James Luckenmeyer, grew up in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and adopted his stepfather's last name, Daly, around the time he launched his writing career. Uh, served in, in the Army in World War II, died on February 19, 2011, at the age of 94. Now, i got a really cool story I want you guys to hear. I've got a soundbite I'm going to play from the Legacy documentary. And they tell a little bit of a story of, you know, we talked about that yearbook. I've actually got a picture of the cover of the yearbook that they refer to here, where Art Daly actually got Vince Lombardi and Curly Lambeau together to pose for a picture on, on the cover, and you're going to find out real quick that Lombardi wasn't very fond of Curly Lambeau, but Art Daly being the guy he was, being the historian, all the way back to the old City Stadium days, you could tell he wanted to unite the two guys. He wanted he wanted the the uh, the Packers to welcome Curly Lambeau back, kind of into the family, and for them to more or less uh, you know put put differences aside, put personality differences aside and do what's best for the Packers because they knew that Curly Lambeau being back at Lambeau Field would play a huge role in popularity with the Packer fans, uh, so many of them still watching the team, that seeing Curly Lambeau have all the success he had and obviously being a co-founder of the team. But listen to the soundbite. It's really cool. Everybody knew that there was no love between Vince Lombardi and Curly Lambeau, two extreme opposites in terms of personalities. Curly was a BS. Lombardi was a straightforward, no holds barred, honest person. He was on the cover of uh, the Packer yearbook in 65. Uh, shaking hands with Curly, our daily from the Press Gazette who put out the yearbook, was told by Lombardi that's the worst yearbook you ever put out. Vince didn't want to do it. And he didn't like it when it was on the yearbook, and no, he, he actually banned Dad from practice for, for several days. Several days. And that soundbite right at the end was actually Art Daly's daughter and his widow telling that story. And you could kind of hear uh, how Lombardi 
banned him from practice because he put that yearbook out, said it was the worst the worst yearbook you ever put out, right? Because he didn't want to be on the cover with Curly Lambeau. But again, Art Daly being this this uh, somewhat of a unifier, right? And just trying to make uh, uh, things come together for what was best best for the Green Bay Packers. All right, here's another article I'm going to touch on real quick, and then we will uh, take a break. But I, I just really think it's cool to draw all of these parallels, and it tells the entire story. You guys remember the story about Jerry Kramer and the guys being out in California and them being at a bar having a couple beers, and they see Curly there, and they invite Curly over to sit with them. And as they began talking, they were trying to talk Curly into coming back and coach the Packers, right? And, uh, of course, Curly was like, yeah, I would love to come back. Well, they didn't. They had no idea who Vince Lombardi was and, the fa- and, and even if you know the Packers were going to hire someone like that. It's just amazing how... Those two ships were passing in the night, meaning Curly Lambeau and Vince Lombardi. And although they never got along, they both played such a key role to the history of the Green Bay Packers. But this is an article that was published right after Art Daly's death. This was February 21st, 2011. This is by Amy Silvers of the Journal Journal Sentinel. It says, uh, nobody knew the Packers like Art Daly. So when things weren't going great in a game, says the says the Green Bay Cincinnati game say the Green Bay Cincinnati game at Lambeau Field in two thousand nine, Daly was known to invoke the impatient ghost of Vince Lombardi. Quote, I've never seen so many penalties called, Daly Daly declared. Lombardi would go crazy. He knew there whereof um, he spoke. Uh, Daly covered the Packers for the Green Bay Press Gazette beginning in nineteen forty one. Um, he co-founded the Packers yearbook, now 50 years strong in 1960. He kept writing about the team, even in retirement, including the Packer Report magazine, and was inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame as a team contributor in 1993. Daly died of natural causes Saturday in Green Bay. He was 94 years old. What a life, man. That's awesome. Uh, no one else probably knows more about the history of the Green Bay Packers than Art Daly, Bud Lee, uh, Packer Plus Columns, and uh, former Mil- Milwaukee Sentinel sports editor told the Journal Sentinel in 2009, quote, Art sometimes still thinks out loud in the press box, and we all laugh about it. Lee, uh, Lee continued, um, I've known him since I was in high school working for the Green Bay West Purple Parrot. He's a true professional and was a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee. He's a big reason 10 of Lombardi's Packers are in the Hall of Fame. Think about that. Think about the role he might have played. And when it came to selecting Hall of Famers and his experience being in Green Bay, not that he would fudge the vote or anything, but I guarantee there were people on that committee that looked to Art and said, hey, you covered the Packers better than anybody. You know, Can you vouch for them? Do you think these guys are Hall of Fame material? I can just hear those conversations uh, taking place. You know, it's just, uh, it's just really, really cool. Uh, Daly was often the go-to guy when some chapter of Packers lore needed discussion. Uh, take the fact that this year's conference championship was only the second playoff game between the Packers and the Bears. Daly covered the first such meeting in 1941. Quote, it was the first time I'd ever been to a big city, he said in a recent interview to Packers.com. It was really quite an experience. He was a great guy to talk to. If you ever had a question, said Tom Murphy, uh, archivist for the Packers Hall of Fame. We're all going to miss him because beyond everything he did professionally, he was one of the nicest guys you would ever meet. He was born Arthur J. Lunkenheimer in St. Paul, Minnesota, and was only two when his father died. His mother later remarried and moved to Fond du Lac. As a boy, Art grew up using the last name of his stepfather, John Daly. Um, his interest in sports journalism was inspired by Arthur J. Daly and well-known sports writers 
with the New York Times, and then he became another Art Daily, uh, first work, working at the Fond du Lac Commonwealth Reporter as a as a Fond du Lac Commonwealth Reporter at the age of 19. He officially changed his name for love. As he and the former Lorraine Morgan were making plans to marry, she made her own wishes known. Quote, I'm not having the name Lukenheimer when I can have daily, Lorraine <laughs> said she told him. They married in 1941, the same year he joined the Press Gazette. Daly served from 1943 until the end of World War II with, uh, with the U.S. Army's 42nd Infantry Division in Europe. He returned to civilian life and became the Green Bay Press Gazette sports editor until 1968. Like a good coach, Daly could also pick talent, hiring Lee Rimmel. Guys, that is huge. If you guys don't know who Lee Rimmel is, we need to do an episode on him. But um, hiring Lee Rimmel as the assistant editor, the two covered the Packers for the next three decades before Rimmel become the Packers' publicity director in 1974. Daly's down-to-earth writing style endeared him to readers, according to Rimmel. I I think a lot of media nowadays need to take note of that. I mean, they really, really do. It's just nowadays media, just it's like they're up on this high horse, like they're better than everybody else and their opinion matters more than anyone. It's just, you know, this was a time when people were way more humble and actually cared about the, uh, you know, the uh, the health of the organization and, and how could they add value to the Green Bay Packers rather than trying to tear them down to get clicks. I mean, it drives me crazy. But decade after decade, Daly saw it all. Curly Lambeau was um, primarily a holler guy, Daly said. Uh, Curly was an emotional coach on the sidelines and knew how to inspire his players. The great Don Hudson said it best, quote, he's not the best X's and O's guys, but he was a great motivator. Lombardi didn't much like Lambeau. Daly, though, was a part of getting the two famous coaches to shake hands for a rare, iconic photo. Uh, It later ran on the cover of the Packers yearbook after Lombardi's death in 1965. Lombardi was not pleased. Um, after I'm sorry, after Lambeau's death in 1965, I apologize. Lombardi was not pleased. Finally, after a long, chilly season, uh, Lombardi decided to forgive and forget, calling Daly to a practice session. Daly arrived to find veterans Max McGee and Jerry Kramer smiling. Quote, they knew what was going on. Daly later recalled, uh, Lombardi gave me a big handshake and a smile and told me he couldn't stay mad at me any longer because I was too nice a guy. How cool is that, man? I've got that picture hanging here, and and I never knew this story behind the scenes. It's just really, really cool. Um, so uh, he was too nice a guy. Uh, he last worked as wire editor at the at the Press Gazette, retiring late in 1978. But he never stopped paying attention to his favorite team, reporting the press box, reporting to the press box at Lambeau, Lambeau Field, and writing regularly for the Packers Report. Um, quote, someone used to say he bled green and gold, said daughter Kay Bohr. Um, his whole life was the Packers and his family. He said he felt like he was the luckiest guy in the world. Man, that is just awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, let's see here. Best of all, he got to see the Packers take one last Super Bowl victory. Quote, I'm glad he got to see that, his wife said. He has a story half-written in the typewriter. In addition to his wife and daughter, survivors include son Michael. Um, Then it goes on to talk about the visitation. Just an awesome man, so important to the history of the Green Bay Packers, a man that was obviously a unifier, one of the nicest guys. And again, I say this because I don't mean to go on a rant, but if you haven't caught on, I absolutely despise the media nowadays, both both regular mainstream media along with sports media. They just seem so entitled, and they seem like, you know, I've, I've called people out, and I probably shouldn't do that, but man, enough's enough. It drives me insane 
how these guys get paid to cover a sport. They get paid to do what they love. And and it's so obvious that everything everything is fabricated. You've seen it with Rodgers here of recently, how they just constantly try to find something to complain about. They try to find something to drum. There's, there's a podcast, a, a live radio show in Milwaukee. I won't mention the name, but um, it, I love screenshotting it from time to time. Their podcast uploads because everything is, what did the Packers do most wrong this offseason? And they're doing a poll on it. The next one would be something along the lines of, uh, what do you think would be um, considered a disappointment this year for the Green Bay Packers? Another one would be, if Rodgers doesn't perform top level, do you think they made the uh, the wrong decision and not moving forward with Jordan? It's just constantly something that's negative. And, and back then, the Packers were just trying to survive, guys. They were doing everything they could to over overcome this struggle that they had of being a, a small market team. And you had people like Art Daly that propped them up. And he always chose to be a good finder. And and that's something that I try to be on a daily basis. I'm not perfect at it, believe me. I've got a temper like no one knows. You know, my, my brother said it best. He said, you got mom's heart and dad's temper. And that can be a dangerous combination. It really can. But it, it's just... I. I love to see people unified, whether it's race, whether it's, you know, uh, economical division, um, you know, whatever it is. Life's too short to just intentionally try to find enemies. In the sports media, that's exactly what they do nowadays. But here you had someone like Art Daly that was so key, so vital to the, uh, the, the survival of the Green Bay Packers. And when I talk about the Packers on a podcast, I don't do it from, well, I guess I got to do a podcast today. No, this is a privilege, man. This is this is something that's just, it, it's, it's just that little lot of joy, right, in our lives where sometimes life can crap on you, right? There's people that are having marital problems. There are people that are fighting drug abuse. There's people that's fighting PTSD that might have seen wartime or it was a childhood event that really caused their, their world to kind of get upended. Maybe some of you guys are different, but for me, man, sports is an escape from 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 everything that's crappy in the world. And when you've got the media who their job is to cover it and to bring us the news and the information, and all they do is try to put a negative spin on stuff, it takes the joy out of sports. I want to get back to the joy, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to do a podcast. And when Ryan presented the opportunity and kind of opened the floor, hey, is anybody interested? I'm like, you know what, this might be my shot. But I'm not perfect. Obviously, I speak English on about a third grade level. You mix in a redneck accent and it turns into kindergarten, right? Kindergarten talk. But man, there's got to be more sports media out there than just the negative Nancys. We want to bring the bright side of sports. We want to look at the positive outlook on things. And I don't mean to go on a rant, but I think it's just something important. So Art Daly, in my opinion, he's a hero when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. He's somebody who who was just one of the, the many people that became the glue of the organization that held it together. And I have so much appreciation for people like that. So uh, there's your history segment. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, rant over. What we're going to do now, guys, is take a quick commercial break. We're going to pay some bills. And then when we come back, we're going to get the guys on for Packers Without Borders. We're going to have some fun and talk about the 2022 Green Bay Packers. But first, let's take us a quick commercial break. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Man, do we got a surprise for the listeners today as we welcome on these crazy cats from Packers Without Borders, uh, one of my favorite podcasts going right now. I love it. Absolutely love it. And uh, you can find these guys on Twitter. Uh, first of all, down in the great state of Texas, you got at Bruce Edmonds. That's capital B, capital E. Obviously, no spaces, no crazy symbols. And then we've got uh, at Larson Matt, the number two, and he's located in Canada. And I'll tell you right now, man, it, it, let me give you a preview of what you're going to get if you follow these guys on Twitter. If you follow Matt, you're going to see constantly him smoking some kind of dead animal or posting hilarious memes. That's that's basically 90% of his content, right, which I'm here for. And then, of course, uh, if you if you follow Bruce, am I the only one, Matt, that, I mean, it just looks like Bruce literally ordered his entire family out of a catalog. They look like the most perfect American family. Am I right about that? They're genetically enhanced. They were made in a German lab, uh, the same lab that uh, made Heidi Klum, apparently. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, listen, we got you guys on here to talk Packers, and we're going to try to do that and keep this thing on the rails, right? So the first question I got for you guys, I've kind of been asking everybody, and I want to get your take. You know, like barring any crazy amount of injuries this year, right, what do you think the Packers' record will be at the end of the season? We'll start with you, Matt. 12-5. and five. How about you, Bruce? I think the question is, is Matt LaFleur, who's already the winningest coach in the first 40 games, right, 39 and 13, do you think that he can go over that hump? Because I'm at 12 and 5 too, but can he get to 13 wins, I guess, is the question for another season and break the NFL record. Is that possible? I don't, I don't know, man. It, it seems like it's too good to be true, right? Um, and and I, I've been – pounding the table on that all-time winning as coach. And everybody always comes back with, well, there's not enough games yet. There's not enough games yet. There's other people who have a thousand winning percentage. And I'm like, dude, there's only five people that have a thousand winning percentage, right? And those five, none of them have coached more than two games. And you're talking about Matt LaFleur's winning percentage being in, over the course of 49 games. Can he do it this year? That's going to be the question, right? I personally think no less than 10 wins, and I could see 14 wins on the high side. So I think that 12 win is right there, um, right there in the middle. Matt, what do you think is going to play a key role in that, dude? What do you think is going to determine whether or not, um, you know, they win the 12 games that you think they will? Do you see anything that could kind of throw that upside down? You know, the the, the key here is, is uh, we're in the NFC North, and we're – we're easily going to win out those games. We'll split one with the Vikings, right? We'll beat the Bears twice. We'll beat the Lions twice. The only thing that I think comes would hinder any of this progress to get to 12 and five would be the play of Aaron Rodgers. Um, when you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback, three-time, pardon me, four-time MVP, Super Bowl winning in the final stages of his career, I think we're going to see some lights out football. Now, Bruce and I were talking about this the other day. I think every team loses a game 
in a season that they shouldn't lose and they win a game in the season that they shouldn't have won. So do I think they can get to 13? It's possible. You know what? Anything's possible. I've seen these Packers do stuff that they shouldn't do. And at the same time, I've seen them do stuff that they shouldn't do, i.e. this San Francisco playoff game last year, right? Right. So I, I, I think with as long as Aaron Rodgers maintains like a B average, we're 12 and five. Yeah. And, and that's the real question, like you said. And, you know, I, I don't want to be the naive Packers fan that just thinks he's going to play at this level forever. We see Tom Brady do it. It looks like Aaron's taking care of his body. But at the same time, I don't want to be what you guys referred to as, you know, how Vikings fans were drunk with ignorance on your last show. I love that, by the way. But, Matt, do you uh, do you think – I'm sorry, Bruce, do you think that uh, that Rodgers is going to continue that play this year? Do you think he's still going to stay at that that MVP level? I think the hope is that we want to see 2020 Rodgers, right? Not 2021 Uber target one dude, which we saw he did to help Adams kind of break all the Packers records. But if we see a version of the 2022 Rodgers spreading the ball, taking what the offense has to give him or the defense has to give him, I have a feeling that he's got a shot at that crazy to say third MVP, but I, I don't think so. Um, not that he doesn't have the weapons around him. I think it's just going to take a couple games for these guys like Christian Watt. You know, Christian Watt. Wait, wait a minute, Bruce. Wait Watt. a minute. Yeah. If if Aaron Rodgers takes the team to 13, 13 and four, or even 12 and five, you don't think that's MVP without Devontae Adams with a handful I, of rookies? I think the media doesn't like him enough. To, <laughs> Bingo. To I think it's more of a personal vote than it would be at this point that they would not want to give that guy a third MVP, not that he would not be deserving of it. I, I think he goes 12 and five or 13 and four, and that's MVP, period. That's a great right? point, man. That's a great point. It's going to be hard for him not to win that award if indeed they do win 13 games again. I mean, my goodness. I, I, has there ever been a quarterback to win 13 games that many seasons in a row? I mean, this would be the fourth year in a row, right? Am I thinking right? Is Has there ever been a quarterback to do that? I Googled the bleep out of that this morning looking for the stat on that, and I could not find anything anywhere, um, even as a team, 13 win seasons four times in a row. I've not seen that. Bill Belichick obviously um, had some fantastic teams, but it was never 13 wins. And maybe with the 17th game in there, they might skew it to where they might hit you know, 13, but realistically, I guess, to be fair to history in the first 16 games, will they win 13 games? Right. I mean, you've got the Vikings up and I have a feeling we're just going to absolutely destroy the Vikings that first week. Like I'm not even, like, I'm not, I just, I think the defenses start a season um, more prepared than the offensive side of the ball. And, and on the offensive side with the Packers and in Rogers, I trust. Right. So there's very few games. I mean, what the Bucks, Maybe, I mean, obviously the Bills are going to be tough. Uh, the Cowboys beat us last time they were in Lambeau, and that was with Rodgers at the helm. I was at that game. It was terrible. Um, and then the Rams, and who else? Like, you know, who else can beat us? I mean, we've got – the competition is there for us to win those 13 games. It's just kind of crazy. And if he does that, I agree with you, Matt. I think he's deserving of the MVP. I just don't think that they're going to give it to him. 
Yeah, I, I, I think this is going to answer uh, a couple of questions and, and a couple of age-old questions. Does the quarterback make the wide receiver? Does the wide receiver make the quarterback? We're going to see Devontae go with Carr. Carr is not Aaron Rodgers' level, nowhere near Aaron Rodgers' level. But if Devontae goes out there and let's say he puts up 1,100 yards, he puts up the same sort of numbers that he puts up with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers stumbles maybe he only puts up 3,000 yards this year maybe only you know 2,800 or something maybe he only puts up 25 throwing touchdowns right I think if that happens then maybe there's talk that Rodgers doesn't win an MVP if the if the team goes 12 and 5 but on the other side of that let's say Rodgers and his new buddies Watson and Jobs and 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 Watkins and you know Tanyan being back let's say he puts up and it's 17 games right let's say he puts up 4100 42 4200 yards maybe 40 touchdowns I mean then and we look over on the other side and Derek Carr is doing Derek Carr things and and Adams only gets himself seven eight hundred yards I think that answers the other side of the question of the quarterback then makes the wide receiver so if Aaron can answer that question and make it look like hey the quarterback makes the wide receiver and I drag this team full of, you know, uh, old vets and relative nobodies to 12 and five or 13 and three, man, if after the whole COVID thing and everything, they can give him the MVP, they'll give him the MVP for that hands down. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely something he has on his side for sure, because, you know, we all giggled and, and laughed about that. Like, man, is the media really going to give him this award? And, and the fact that they gave it to him in that year, like you said, if he kind of, it all comes down to the win total. It really does. As silly as that sounds when you talk about the most valuable player, but um, yeah. And, and if Tay, if Tay finishes under a thousand yards, oh my gosh, <laughs> like that's That's going to tell a whole different story for sure. Let's go ahead and jump jump ahead to that that third question I sent you guys. Since we're on the Rodgers topic, um, how long do you think Aaron Rodgers will play? And I'll start with you, Bruce. What what do you think? Do you think this is his last year? Do you think he's got you know another year after that? What do you think? If you had to put if you had to bet the farm on it, I've got to pick how many years he's going to play. Right? What do you think it'll be? I think he has two years because if they were going to move on from Love. And, you know, if Rodgers was just going to play this this year, um, obviously love sticks around. And the narrative here is why did they not trade him if they're expecting Rodgers to stick around quite a bit? So I looked at the love contract and obviously it's a standard four year contract with that fifth year team option. That fifth year team option has to be triggered after his third season or after this year. Right. And in 2019 for that class, when he actually, you know, when he was drafted, it was $18.7 million for that for that fifth year option. So the only thing I would say is beyond this, is is Jordan Love worth $18.7 million a year for that fifth year option that they have to exercise at the end of this year? If not, they might exercise it to trade him, right? And keep Rodgers on. But I think we've got two years out of Rodgers. And I just I I genuinely don't know what they're going to do with Love at that point because I don't think they're going to pay him to be an 18.7 or 21 million dollar backup at this point right so I say it's two years for Rodgers and it's all based just on this contract and this fifth year option that they're they're probably going to exercise on Love to keep him on the field and not just let him walk yeah and everything's kind of coming to light now too with some of the comments that Rodgers made in the past you know one thing he said um when when the deal got done was you know this may it's a one with a two and an option of a three is essentially he he's pretty much saying okay 
wipe it off the table beyond three years is the way I took it. And then on top of that, he said the 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 uh, question will be answered very sooner than later, meaning after this season. And I think that's all to kind of go hand in hand with exactly what you said. If if he says, hey, look, guys, I want to come back for another year maybe Green Bay doesn't pick up that option. But if he lets them know fairly soon, hey, look, I'm not going to come back, they do pick up that option and have a two-year window with Jordan Love. And like you said, I mean, it's it's a lot of money when you think about, you know, 18 to 20 million. But comparing it to the other starting quarterbacks across the league, and I'm not sitting there saying that Jordan Love is a starting caliber quarterback, but it's obvious the coaching staff at that point, if they do pick up the option, will have seen a starting quarterback out of them. And that's really a discounted rate. And you kind of go back in time to when they gave Aaron Rodgers his first contract extension. And I just remember thinking nobody knew he was going to be that, you know, Aaron Rodgers that he turned out to be, right? But at the time, I remember thinking that's a lot of money for a quarterback. But if you compare it across the league, you know, he's one of the the lesser paid starting quarterbacks across the league. And then boom, he blows up. And you're kind of you you you're you're you've got the tail chasing you rather than you chasing the tail in the quarterback salary cap hit, you know, realm. So what do you think, Matt, um, as far as Rodgers? Do you think he's got, you know, one year, two year, three years left? What do you think? Right at this moment, I think he's playing one year, and that's simply because Love wasn't traded. Next year's draft is uh, going to have a handful of really great quarterbacks in there. Um, but I, I think that is still up in the air. And, you know, um, I can't remember who wrote the article last week, but they were mentioning that the last few years, the major contributor that's been on the Packers team actually wasn't on the roster until after, you know, week four or week five. And, you know, we think of uh, uh, Douglas and, you, you know, a handful of these guys that we have grabbed weeks in, right? Right. I think, uh, okay, so here's your scenarios. I think either A, if Jordan Love makes it to the beginning of the season, and I'm talking beginning of the season, not the end, not the first preseason game, but the beginning of the season, that Aaron Rodgers is playing one year, okay? If if Aaron's playing more than one year, we'll know because Jordan will be traded sometime during camp or, you know, at the beginning of preseason. Quarterbacks are not a dime a dozen this year. And there's still four or five teams out there, you know, that are desperate to have a quarterback. We, we've got a couple of other teams who have drafted these quarterbacks and their fingers crossing it. Jordan Love is a viable option for them. If, if Rodgers is going to play two years, I think, the Packers trade love, we get something for him and we move on and draft. And then that guy sits behind Rogers for a year. If Rogers is only playing one year, Jordan love doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I could totally see that scenario playing out, man. It's going to be very, very interesting moving forward. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, so as we wrap up here, I want to ask you one last question. And, and this has been uh, really a kind of a hot button topic, you know, simply because everybody has a little bit different view uh, on who the next breakout player might be for the Green Bay Packers. If you had to pick one player on the roster this year, right, going into the 2022 season, it could be a rookie. It could be, a you know, a somewhat of a veteran. Obviously, it needs to be a, a little bit younger of a player. Who do you think is going to be a breakout player? for the Green Bay Packers this year, Bruce? Oh, man. You know, there's a couple guys on the roster that I'm hoping step up, right? And I'm going to go on to the defensive side of the ball here with my breakout. And, and it's not so much a breakout in the sense of 
We know who he is, and I'm expecting him to finally take that leap, and that's Darnell Savage. Um, you know, the news out of OTAs and minicamp was that he was kind of figuring it out. He was not reacting so much, and he was starting to to, to predict kind of where the ball's going, what he's supposed to be doing. So for me, it's Darnell Savage, man. I think Darnell Savage is going to step up and kind of answer those questions for that second safety for us. Because I do have a concern with the depth at safety on this team, and I keep kind of pounding the table with this. So I, I just I think it's more of a hope that Savage actually turns up and actually turns into the guy that we expect him to be. I don't know if that's considered a breakout because he's shown flashes, but to be consistent and actually just contribute to the team consistently, I want it to be Darnell Savage. So that's who my pick's going to be. Yeah, I would definitely, definitely consider that a breakout performance because, like you said, he took a step back last year. And one thing that's for sure, if you look at the great defenses in the history of the National Football League, almost all of them had a great free safety, right? Somebody just kind of patrolling the middle of the field deep, able to slide in the box occasionally. But you know, when you think of the Baltimore Ravens outside of Ray Lewis, you think of Ed Reed. Right. And I think it's going to be huge for this defense to take that next step. I think it's really the only thing that held them back last year was kind of Savage's play and, you know, a couple other pieces. But for the most part, I think if Savage does kind of step back into that, you know, that early, uh, early career performance that he had, because when he came out, man, I was like, oh, we've got a baller. And then, unfortunately, he took that step back. But, again, a new defensive coordinator comes in. They switch to more of a quarters coverage with a little bit of underneath uh, privileges for the safeties to, to kind of slide underneath on the underneath routes. And I think that, you know, that the fact that he still finished, I don't know if you guys are PFF fans or not, but the, the fact that he still finished graded in the 70s and it being a new defensive coordinator with a uh, somewhat of a new scheme and some adjustments, I think that's a, a good excuse. You know, it's a, a respectable excuse as to why he did take a step back. So, yeah, I completely agree, man. If Savage steps up, it's going to be a great year for this defense. But how about you, Matt? What's a what's a player, offense or defense, that you think could be a uh, be set for a breakout year? Well, I I have I have two, and and I'll make them quick. So uh, Eric Stokes on the other side is now going to be lined up against the number two wide receivers. If you think he did really well against the number one wide receivers, wait until he gets the slower guys. Like, come on like he he's gonna eat he's gonna eat and like bruce and i were talking about on our podcast i think he's gonna jump up to like six or seven interceptions real quick and then they're just gonna have to start feeding jair and douglas because stokes will just make a name for himself as a shutdown corner the other guy that i'm talking about and i hope i'm pronouncing his name right because i heard somebody else um I think it was either on McAfee or on something else that uh, that said his name differently. Is it Dobbs or is it Dubs? Dobbs. I think it's Dobbs. I still don't know okay. for sure, but I think it's Dobbs. <laughs> I think it's Dobbs, and uh, I've said it on our podcast. I know Jeremy is uh, keeping track of our bets. Uh, I think Dobbs gets 60 catches. I think he gets six or seven touchdowns. I think he becomes the breakout guy. Not, not the first three, four games but I think that he's the most polished wide receiver that's out there of this rookie class. And uh, I, I think Dobbs is going to be that go-to guy for Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely dude. Crushed it. Crushed it. Uh, I, I'll tell you this, if, if Dobbs does come in and play a key role and, uh, and you still have the consistency of a, of a Randall Cobb and, and I'm a big Alan Lazard fan as well. Um, if he comes in and just kind of steals the show and you've got Darnell Savage show up, like uh, like Bruce would like to see. My goodness, man, what a year it's going to be. I, I don't think we'll have any issues getting back to 13 wins. But, guys, yep. 
I can't thank you enough, man. You guys absolutely crushed it. You always do. If you're hearing my voice and for some reason you stumbled onto my podcast before theirs, you need to go follow them on Twitter. Like I said, at Bruce Edmonds and at Larson Matt too, and uh, listen to their podcast Packers Without Borders. It's uh, it's at the top of my playlist. And guys, you said something in the last show, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go after this. You said that you were approached with uh, with some offers. And you guys do not want to, you know, deviate away from what it is you are and what your show is. And I can't tell you how much I respect that. And the, and it don't ever change because what you guys have, you have a certain chemistry and you have a certain attitude and a certain edge to you that it's top notch. Don't ever let anybody change that. But thank you guys so much for your time, man. It's it's much appreciated. If there's anything we can ever do here from uh, Packers Total Access or, uh, you know, obviously with the Packernet podcast, please don't hesitate. I appreciate that, man. That's high praise. High praise. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that. We, uh, we, we pride ourselves on being inclusive to everyone, except Viking fans, of course, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, approachable. And, and we are just going to, man, we love doing this. You know, Bruce and I, and we talk absolutely every single day. And some of the stupid stuff that we say back and forth, I mean, that's this kind of what makes it fun for us so we imagine that's what makes it fun for everyone else absolutely bruce keep yeah, this guy I, out of trouble man all right i will he's trying to keep me out of trouble man but i really appreciate it, and i appreciate the shout out and uh just truly appreciate it man just thanks for having us on it was a lot of fun man and just remember that of the 50 quarterbacks with love number of passing attempts in 62 last season, he ranked 46 in passer rating with the 68.7, 44th in completion percentage with 58.1, and 35th in yards per attempt at 6.6. Had as many turnovers as Rodgers, four, despite playing only 12% of snaps. So in Rodgers, I trust. There you go. We're going to end it there. Thank you guys so much for your time. Peace. Go Pack Go. Man, the people that you get to meet – uh, in this community, especially on Twitter, if you can filter through all the garbage um, and and all the the negative and the, and the trash that's out there and all the you know political stuff, I mean, just the people you get to meet is it's it's really really such a blessing. Love those guys from Packers Without Borders. Again, thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Matt, for your time. You guys absolutely crushed it. And we're just gonna end the show there, guys. Um, I don't I don't think we could we could do anything with this episode, um, but go down from here. Um, when it comes to those guys bringing the thunder. I love their passion for the Packers. But I want to thank everybody for taking the time to hang out with us today. Um, like I always say, man, you could be listening to any podcast in the world, but uh, you choosing to take time away from your family, away from the job, whatever it is, and hang out with us. We don't take it lightly. But uh, as always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. Seriously, guys, let's go out and make a freaking difference. Let's not tweet about it. Let's not talk about it. Let's roll up our sleeves and go out and make a real difference in this world. And as always, go Pack Go. Third down inches to go. Debater. 17 to 14.